Hello and welcome to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. And I'm so grateful that you're listening today. We just kicked off a new section. Yes, we recently had a couple episodes kicking off discounted cash flow analysis and we're gonna continue down that path learning the ins and outs of DCFs and all the related fundamental basic questions related to that topic. And just as a quick reminder, just because this topic is so important, the, the question walking through a DCF, when someone asks you that question, you have to know how to answer it. And really quickly, just to recap what we talked about in the last episode, with a DCF, we first have to project out a company's financials. Then once we have the free cash flow for each year, we sum them up and discount them to the present value, net present value. Then we determine the terminal value either using the multiples method or Gordon growth method. And then we discount those cash flows back to the present also with the discount rate. And then the final step of a DCF is to add together the summations of both cash flows to arrive at the company's enterprise value. Okay. Now that we've got that down, let's get into today's question. And don't worry, I'll still get to breaking down all the itty-bitty small parts of what those things mean in later episodes, one by one. But today's question is this. How do you get from revenue to free cash flow? How do you get from revenue to free cash flow? And remember, as we just talked about, the first step of the DCF is to make free cash flow projections for the business that you're analyzing. So how do we do that? Well, we have to make some assumptions about revenue, expenses, and working capital. But once we have our assumptions, the question remains, like how do we actually calculate what the free cash flow is for a given year? Let's say you're analyzing a company and you're looking one year out, and then you're going to look two years out, three years out, four years out, If we start with that first calculation one year out, okay, we have some assumptions for revenue and expenses, but how do we actually calculate free cash flow for year one? How do we do that? Well, this is how we walk our way down from revenue to free cash flow. First, we're gonna subtract the cost of goods sold. Then we're gonna subtract our operating expenses. So you'll be familiar with these from the income statement, right? our COGS and our operating expenses. What do we have after we subtract COGS and operating expenses from revenue? What is it? It's our operating income or our EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes. So this is kind of a gross level, high level version of what the earnings are, right? Revenue minus COGS minus operating expenses gives you EBIT. Now what do we do? We multiply by one minus the tax rate in order to get net income, right? And it makes sense because we have to account for taxes. Remember, EBIT is still earnings before interest and taxes. So if we want to account for taxes, we multiply by one minus the tax rate to get net income. Okay, now what do we do once we have net income? Well, net income is different from cash flow, right? And we know this because of the connections between the income statement and the cash flow statement that we covered in the accounting section of this podcast. And remember, we start with net income at the top of the cash flow statement and we make all these adjustments, right, to get to cash flow. 
Well, for free cash flow, we're going to add back depreciation. No surprise there. That's what we do when looking at many scenarios in the cash flow statement and accounting questions. We're going to add back depreciation and other non-cash charges. And then here's where we have some interesting things going on. We're going to subtract capital expenditures and changes in working capital. And the end result of all of this is you get something called unlevered free cash flow. Unlevered free cash flow. And we'll discuss the difference between this and another type of free cash flow called levered free cash flow later. But essentially why it's called unlevered is because remember how we had EBIT a few minutes ago? Well, we accounted for taxes, but we didn't account for interest. So the earnings that we had is still before interest. So we're looking at unlevered free cash flow. Okay, so just to go over that again, walking our way from revenue down to free cash flow, we have a revenue at the top. We subtract cost of goods sold, subtract operating expenses. Now we have our EBIT, our operating income, multiplied by one minus the tax rate in order to get net income. Then we're going to add back depreciation and other non-cash charges. Next, we're going to subtract capital expenditures and the changes in working capital. And the end result is your unlevered free cash flow. Great. Now, how does this really work? Well, we know that net income is kind of the natural result of revenue flowing down through the company, through various expenses until we get to profit, also known as the bottom line. But an important distinction we have to realize is that profit or net income is different from free cash flow. Free cash flow represents the amount of money available to investors accounting for after accounting for regular business activities, but before paying financing expenses like interest. And that's why it's unlevered. So that free cash flow, we're making all these adjustments to really try to understand how much business is this, how much money is this business kicking off? The reason we call it free cash flow is it's not obligated to do anything. We're not using that money to pay expenses, to pay employees, to reinvest in the business with capital expenditures. We're accounting for depreciation. We're accounting for taxes. So this money that's left over, quote unquote, this cash is available to be paid as dividends. It's available in the case of unlevered free cash flow to be paid for interest expenses. It's available for share buybacks, all these other things that a company can do. Maybe they can make an acquisition with that money. So that's how we walk our way from revenue down to free cash flow. Okay, we're going to be talking about an alternative way to get to free cash flow in the next episode, but that's what I got for you today. This is Alex Mason with Investment Banking Insights. I'm so grateful you're here. Please rate and review the podcast if you're enjoying it. If you're getting value out of this, just show me some love. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you on the next one.